Hello, this is Timmy Black, and welcome once again for another episode of The Lives of Contemporary Artists. Well, welcome back, everybody. Welcome. Welcome back. I want to welcome myself back. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, I took a couple of weeks off. I I really, uh, I really needed it. I I think I needed it. I mean, uh, it's not easy. It's not easy being uh, the preeminent arts podcaster of Los Angeles. And and, 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 and by the way, it's, that's not me. That's not me saying this. I'm quoting Dahlia Danton here. Dahlia Danton, you know, Dahlia, the, uh, the editor of, uh, of the uh, arts online zine, The Harps of Heaven. She said it. She said she called me, uh, I think it was last year, she called me Los Angeles's preeminent art podcaster, me, Timmy Black. Anyway, if you think this stuff is easy, I can tell you it's not. It's not, it's not easy coming up with this content. It's, it's tough. I, and I, 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 I really needed to take uh, some time off and, and kind of clear my head. I needed to, I needed to reassess things. You know, I, I needed to reassess stuff like, 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 uh, like, uh, like, like art, like art and, 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 and the place of art in our society. And, and I was reassessing even the place of podcasts in our society. And, and even more specifically, I was reassessing the place of arts podcasting in our society. And anyway, I, I, I'm back. And after reaching absolutely no conclusions, I mean, honestly, I drew a complete blank and I'm, I'm beginning to <clears throat> actually suspect, excuse me, I'm, I'm actually beginning to suspect that I, Timmy, am simply incapable, really, of having any um, original thoughts of my own. Uh, you, you ever feel like that? Like, like, like intellectually speaking, that that uh, that there's always there's always somebody out there chewing your food for you. I, I mean, like, listen, I'll, I'll be in the shower or I'll be walking the dog, and and suddenly I'll have what I think is a great idea. I have this great idea, so I begin to rush because I don't want to forget it, and I rush so I can write it down. I write it down somewhere. I have all these slips of paper everywhere. Everywhere I look, there's a slip of paper, an envelope, a napkin, the margins of a yellowed back issue of, uh, of The Nation. I have notes, notes everywhere. I've written notes to myself after experiencing all these minor epiphanies, only only to realize later that what I took for a cognitive frisson was actually actually just a mismanaged, mangled summary of something I might have read in The New Yorker or something like that. So I needed this time off because, because it's not easy coming up with stuff for these podcasts and I... I, I had to sift through all my stacks of all these lined yellow legal pads for something for something to talk about that might be a little bit less derivative. Anyway, I'm back. And and, and then this might be my last episode of 2020. And um 
According to NPR, 2020 was a crappy year. So I won't even bother mentioning that 2020 was lousy because they said it first and I have nothing to add. But anyway, we just had Christmas, if you haven't noticed. There, I've said it, Christmas. I'm not fighting Christmas. I, I'm a lover, not a fighter. I have no quarrel with Christmas. There's no war on Christmas with me. I, I sell a lot of Timmy Black merch this time of year. I like. I actually like Christmas. I, I actually really like Christmas. I like the tradition. I mean, I know that's not terribly original either, but I like, I like the tradition. I, 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 I actually have my own tradition and, and I like my tradition. Even if my tradition isn't particularly original, I like my tradition. You see, every, every Christmas, every Christmas Eve, I go to mass, I go to midnight mass. So for the past 40 years, it's been my unwavering custom to smoke a joint and find some really nice church and attend midnight mass. I, I love it. I love the I love the sounds. I love the smells. I love the crowds. I love the special atmosphere. And if you've never been stoned at a midnight mass, I mean, you're really missing something remarkable, something really ex- extraordinary. It's like it's like it's like being stoned at Disneyland, but better. I mean, it, it, it's a must. You have to do it. It's really a unique experience. I mean, to be as high as a, as a Russian soccer hooligan and hear, hear the chanting of, of uh, in splendoribus sanctorum. I mean, what can I tell you? It's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, you, you have to do it. Anyway, this year, obviously, I went to, I went to midnight Zoom mass, which of course wasn't as good as the real thing, but I think in this case, the good father made up for it the best he could because he gave, I think, the greatest, I mean, the greatest, well, the the weirdest, the greatest, weirdest sermon I ever heard. I mean, it was great, or at least I think it was great. I mean, it was, I was pretty hammered, but I, and I, I did fall asleep a few times in front of the computer and I hope to God my camera was off, but I don't think it was, but I hope to God it was. But anyway, it was this great sermon called, What Would Ayn Rand Do? Weird, right? Strange. Original. Very original. I mean, I never heard a sermon like that before. And and, it, and it's good to know that, that, that at least Father Kusevitsky is still capable of thinking for himself. I guess, I guess... I guess Father Kusevitsky stays off of social media or at least keeps it to a minimum and and I know he reads Greek and and of course he has Latin and I, and I guess if you stay within a hermetic bubble if you if you're able to carefully curate your exposure to the to the greater world if you can if you can sift through the slime and nourish your affinities with the timeless and the serious and avoid the common dreck, the, the, the viral vomitorium, the, the tweets, the Instagraphics, the tick trash, and all the stupid podcasts like, 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 like mine. Yeah, like mine, like the lies of contemporary artists, like mine. I mean, <clears throat> this dude, Father Kusevitsky, was really onto something with this novel Ayn Rand thing, this, this what would Ayn Rand do theme. It, Basically, basically, 
went something like this. Now, we all know, we all know what Jesus would do. That's easy. That's, that's predictable. Everybody does that one. What would Jesus do? Jesus always does the right thing. He does the, the, the compassionate thing. He does the clever thing. He does the, the wise thing. I know it's, 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 it's boring and it's bland. I mean, good behavior is dull and, and, and also kind of uncool and, 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 and annoying in how politically correct it is. And that's where, and that's where Father Kuzovitsky steps in. Because he starts asking all these, these really interesting questions and, and, and finding, finding these interesting contrasts. Let's see if I can, can sum it up a little bit. He, like, for example, um, well, we all know, we all know that Jesus would pick up after his dog, right? We know that. Regardless of whether there's a law requiring him to do it or not, Jesus would pick up the dog do. He would pick it up. He would put it in a bag. He would tie it up. He'd carry the bag to his own garbage can. He wouldn't drop it in someone else's can. He would carry the bag and throw it out in his own bag, in his own garbage bin, so it wouldn't stink up somebody else's. Now, we know that, but... Now, here's the interesting twist here. What would Ayn Rand do? Think about it. It's not so simple. I mean, what is this coercive, artificial, legislative body doing when you think about it? It has, it has no business telling me what I should do with my dog's poop. Right? I'll decide. I'll decide if it's the right thing to do. I don't need the laws to tell me that. Okay, now, what about smoking in a restaurant or on a plane? Now, I, I, I know what, what Jesus would do. I mean, Jesus probably didn't smoke to begin with, but, 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 but if he did, if there was a no smoking sign, you know what Jesus would do. But, but what would Ayn Rand do? See? What would Iran do? Ayn Rand, what would, what would she do with all these nanny state incursions into our freedom, our, our free will, our liberty? Would, would she, for example, recycle? I know Jesus would. Would she recycle? Would she wear a seatbelt? I mean, I'm pretty sure Ayn Rand wouldn't be caught dead wearing a bicycle helmet, right? Now, these are all very good questions. Why? Because... Because the libertarians have come out of their musty caves and after, after the past four, not four years, what am I saying? After the past nine months, we've been living in one giant Ayn Rand Petri dish, in one giant Ayn Rand thought experiment. Would Ayn Rand wear a mask during a pandemic? Why would she? Because the, the CDC says so? Because, because government scientists recommend it? Would, would, would Ayn Rand let the state have a say in her wardrobe accessories? I, I, I really don't know, but, I really don't know, but Father Kusevitsky brought the point home when he asked at the end, why is it, why is it, he said, why is it, that so many good Christians love it when the government 
proclaims with great fanfare and great self-satisfaction that all of a sudden, Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve now, is a national holiday. But, but, but the same good Christians will raise bloody hell at the thought of taking a government-mandated vaccine. Right? Anyway. Anyway. Ayn Rand was pretty smart, so I'm pretty sure she would have understood the science. She would have gotten inoculated. But the real question is, and Kars- uh, <laughs> Father Kuzovitsky barely touched upon this, but, but here's the interesting and real question, for me at least. If the Lord Jesus Christ were alive today, would he be eagerly waiting? Would he be anxiously anticipating? Would he be counting the days until the next episode of the Lives of Contemporary Artists?